word and your promises. I want to get into the word of God. I want to share what God has impressed upon my heart as I was studying and I kept going over and I wanted to bring the women here such a powerful and mighty word of God. And I looked and I, I read different women throughout the Bible and the Lord kept bringing me back to Genesis in the very beginning. And I want you to open your Bibles and stand with me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 on. <coughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea and birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over the creatures that are moving along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and on every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and on every tree that has fruit and seed in it, they will be yours for food and to all the beasts and on the earth and the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give it every green plant for food, and so, and it is so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Thank you, Jesus, for your word that is life, yes. Father, that is authority and power. Yes. Lord, I pray for this moment, Jesus, where I share your word, uh, Lord, Father, with your people, and I ask that you would bless the hearts and the lives and that you would speak to the very need represented here today. In your name, amen. You may be seated. So when we talk about Eve, and even while I was studying and, and researching, I believe that Eve gets a bum rap, that she really... She really gets uh, really abused. And even for people who don't believe in God and, and don't go to church, know the story of Eve. And we blame her for all that's gone wrong in this world. And we blame her for the sin entering. But we don't realize what a blessing it is to really study who she was, and what God intended for her. And so I want to share because we women also get a bum rap. We also, I mean, Pastor, she just said that some news reporter said that anyone under 50 is really, you know, that's it for her. And, and that's horrible, especially since I'll be soon approaching that age. <laughs> and I'm in the prime of my life. I'm just at the beginning 
of what God has promised me since I was a little girl. And when I studied Eve and, and I look back on scripture in Genesis, there is so much we can learn from her life. So many life lessons and I want to share with you just a few. We know that she was sent to Adam and she was made of his rib and she was sent to be his helper. And we also know that the devil himself came to manipulate her and to trick her, to abuse her gentleness and her trusting heart, abuse of her innocence. And it, she convinced Adam to eat of the fruit and then sin entered and caused a, a separation between God and man. But there's other things that we can find besides that. And I want to share with you. The first thing I want to share with each woman here today, that just like God creating, designing, fashioning Eve, Eve was in the heart of God when he made mankind. You were in the heart of God. You were planned in the heart of God before even the universe began. You were not a mistake. You were thought of by God. You were a divine inspiration, a work of art, a masterpiece. It doesn't matter if your parents didn't plan you. It doesn't matter how you got here, but you are here because you were part of God's plan for this earth. And you have to believe it. The scripture we just read says that God looked and he spoke to someone because he says, let us, some theologians believe that he was speaking to the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, and his son. Let us make up mankind in our image. And he created them in his image, man and woman. So we have to take away the myth that God created the man in his image, and then the woman as a second thought. We rebuke that in the name of Jesus because that is not what scripture is telling us. And when you believe the word, that's why the word is so powerful and you need to read it without thinking that this Bible is a fairy tale or a myth. This is the true living word of God. Read it for what it is. Psalm 139 says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Before you were even in the womb of your mother, God had planned you and had plans for you. He told Jeremiah the same thing. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nation, woman of God. Before you were planned by your parents or before you came into this earth, God knew you, had plans for you, and declared you a prophet for the nations. We are specially 
and uniquely made. He made man in the same fashion, uniquely. He planned the man too. He planned us. He made man out of the dirt, a lifeless substance. And he made us woman from his rib, a vital substance. And he breathed his life into us and made us in his image. And I'm so grateful that, for that. The second lesson we can learn from this beautiful woman, because they say that Eve was beautiful. I mean, look at the reaction. Read the Bible. When God gives, uh, uh, when, when Adam wakes up from his sleep and he sees Eve, he's like, wow, thank you. <laughs> she was beautiful also to look at. But the Bible also tells us in the scriptures that we just read that she was blessed. They were blessed. That blessing wasn't just for Adam. It was also for Eve. That blessing is not just for the pastor or for a leader or for someone else. That blessing, you carry it as well. And that blessing is found through Christ. God declares a blessing over Abraham's heirs, right, in Genesis. And he says that their heirs, that all families would be blessed by his seed. Who is he referring to? He's not actually referring to Abraham. Out of Abraham's seed, which comes from Adam and Eve, out of that seed, out of that genealogy, comes our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that is where we find our blessing. We are blessed and highly favored, but that blessing comes through Jesus Christ. Galatians says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. And heirs according to that promise that he promised back in Genesis. I am an heir of God. I carry his blessing because the Lord Jesus Christ has saved me, redeemed me, and I carry his blessing. I come from a line of ministers, pastors. I am third generation, and I do believe that I am a mother of pastors as well. But that began in my grandfather. He didn't know the Lord, actually both, from maternal and, and paternal. Both my mother and father's fathers were pastors. One here in the Bronx, 138th in Cyprus, Church of God Mission Board. He's with the Lord now. Um, and my grandfather from my father's side, he was a church planter all over Puerto Rico. And my father is a pastor in Manhattan, and I have uncles, aunts, cousins. I mean, I call it the family business, right? <laughs> but that blessing, and it's not just for pastors. Please don't misunderstand me. You are blessed, and you are designed with a purpose, no matter what your profession is, and no matter what you do for a living. That blessing comes through Jesus Christ and has no limitations. We are blessed in all areas of our life. And God blesses us not as the world blesses. Because this world believes 
has this mentality that you're blessed if you have a good job and you have a nice house and nice car, that you have a nice cushion in the bank and a good 401k and retirement plan and you look a certain way. That's not how God sees blessings. God says that he puts in perfect peace all who are steadfast in him. That's a blessing. He says that his mercies are new every morning. That is his blessing. He says that if you knock, you shall receive. If you call him, you shall hear from him. Those are God's blessings. God blesses us in ways that we don't always understand, especially this world. You know how many times people have told me, wow, I can't believe this, that you don't look like something is wrong with you. But there is, and that's called God's blessing. And despite my handicaps, and despite my, my body's physiological formation, right, because I have issues with my legs, I have issues with my joints, God blesses me and he keeps me standing. Even when I don't know how I'm going to make it through the day, God's strength, he is my strength. That is God's blessing. And we need to erase how the world thinks because it's infiltrated in such an ugly way into the body of Christ. Salvation, redemption, those are all blessings from the Lord. And God blessed Adam and God blessed Eve. And if you really look in scriptures, and even when Satan came to manipulate her, even when, when Satan came to trick her, we see that she has a dialogue. She has a conversation with him. And what she tells him is what God told her. God spoke to her. God speaks to you, woman of God. He speaks to you in the quiet. He speaks to you at night. He speaks to you while you're in at work. He speaks to you while you're washing dishes. He gave me a whole song while I was washing dishes. He speaks to you, woman of God. Because he loves you. Because he has plans with you. Because he wants to use you. Because he wants to speak to you. I believe that God is doing, he has such a mighty move in women. And this is not, to, to disregard a man, I need my husband more than anything. I don't like to go anywhere without him. He is my everything, which my beautiful husband. I need him, but God is doing something. There's a revival even within the assemblies of God. I believe that last year there was a record of the amount of women that were ordained within the assemblies of God. I know my place as a woman, and I know that God has plans with me, and God wants to use me. God spoke to Eve. The third thing that we can learn from this woman is that you have a great purpose, just like Eve. God looked at Adam, and we see in Genesis 2 that he says it's not good for him to be alone. And so let me make him an adequate helper. And we have tainted that word. We've made it ugly. Society. 
the word for helper in its original form was azar, A-Z-E-R, which means aid, help. Someone who provides support for someone who needs help. There was so much work to be done here on earth, and it was just one person. It was Adam. And God realized there's not enough. He has, he has to distribute the work. So I'm going to give him that person that's going to take on the workload that he cannot do. And he gave him Eve. Woman of God, you weren't created to be somebody's assistant. I mean, I'm, my profession most of my life has been an assistant, executive assistant. And I take pride in that. But that's not my role. I have my own purpose. I have my own calling, which is aside from my husband or my, I have three boys. It's aside from theirs or my father's or my grandfather's. It's mine. It's yours. God created you with a specific purpose. And God made Eve, but didn't make her inferior to a man, nor did he make her superior. They were equally as important. They are equally as important to God with different functions to do the will of God. God used the same meaning of helper in Psalms, Psalms 10, to refer to himself, that God is the helper to the fatherless in Psalms 10, 14. And in Psalms 37, 40, he says, the Lord helps and delivers those who take refuge in him. The same definition. He comes to the aid of someone who is in need. Woman of God, you are not less than or more important than. You are equally as important to God as a man. And you have different functions and different roles in his kingdom. But God says in the scriptures that we just read that he, um, he wanted them to be fruitful. He wanted them to multiply, not just the woman. Obviously, we carry, right, the babies and we give birth to them. But without the man, we cannot have babies, and despite modern technology, we still need the seed of a man and the womb of a woman to make one human being. And I'm going to leave that right there. We need each other. And we're both just as important. One, one theologian said, said it this way as I was reading. It says, without a woman, man can't, cannot fully realize his humanity. And I thought that's just so beautiful. You're so important in the kingdom of God. And then he tells them to subdue the earth, to bring about peace, to take care of it, to love. And women really do have this great capacity to love. And I feel like sometimes society has forced us to be something that we're not, to prove that we can do things and that we are important and that we can study. And we lose that finesse that women innately have. Don't lose that. 
I have a, a friend of mine who is studying, um, she's getting her master's in Bible divinity and she is a fighter by nature, right? She fights for justice and, and she's championing the, the cause of women preachers, right? Because there's still so many who believe that women can't preach. And I praise God for our churches and Pastor Carlos and Pastor Andino and so many of the Spanish Eastern District and the Assemblies of God who believe in the ministry of a woman as preachers and teachers. But there's still so many that don't. And um, so she wants to fight for justice. And she's constantly telling me, no, but you have to speak up and you have to. And one day, I mean, one that's not within my nature, despite what my husband says, I'm not really a fighter. <laughs> uh, I only like to fight with him and my kids. But it's not really within my nature to, to be that way. And I finally, she, she would send me all these posts and she would send me articles and she would send me um, tweets of different ministers who, who said derogatory things about women preacher. And finally, I told her, I said, friend, I don't need to fight this in the way you are. Maybe God called you to do that, but not me. I just am. I just am a woman of God, and I just am a woman teacher. And apparently, at this point in my life, I am a woman preacher. I just am. I just exercise the function because I know that's what God has called me to do. The great I am lives within you, so just be you and do what you got to do and follow God's calling. No matter what the opposition is, just be you. He says, subdue the earth, take care of it, love it, be patient with it, rule over every living thing. He told them, rule over every living thing, bring order, instruct, use your wisdom and your ingenuity. Do you know that Eve is the first registered fashion designer? Read the Bible. After sin came in, she realized, Ooh, we're naked. And she went and got a fig and, and some leaves, and she fashioned clothing and covering for her and Adam, and subsequently, all the children they had. She used her ingenuity. Women, boy, we can come into a place and see something, and we're like, maybe we could, maybe we could use this to make a gown or a decoration. We have these skill sets created. We were created in God's image. He is the creator of the world and he resides in us and he made us in his image. We have creativity flowing through our DNA. Some people are like, well, you know, I'm not good at designing or I'm not good at decorating. Okay, but I'm sure you're good at something else. Creativity resides within you. But we are called also to rule and to assist. And in the Bible, there were rulers, women rulers. We have Queen Esther, who was literally a queen in a kingdom. And because of her ingenuity and her wisdom, she knew what to do and when to do it. She knew when with the perfect timing and how to use the gifts that God had given her. 
and she saved a nation. And then we have a judge, a woman judge, Deborah, who would sit by a tree and she would, the, the neighborhood would come and ask her for advice and she would give it. And then there was a need and she tried to get the man to do what he was supposed to do because she knew her place just like uh, Queen Esther, she knew her place. And she's like, listen, I think you should do this. He's like, no. She said, all right, I'll do it. But let it be known, it's going to be written that a woman won this battle. And we have women like Proverbs 31 who ran her household, which was a big household, like a business. And then she had a business and she sewed and she went out to the market and went out to the field and her husband was very important. He was a politician and he honored his wife in public and in private, sitting at the dinner table with his children and sitting at the council with others. She used wisdom and ingenuity and she ruled the earth, the, she ruled the area that she was in. I know my place and when I say that, don't misinterpret. I know my role, my function in the family, in my family. Do you know how many times, Pastor Carlos, I think this is so funny. We, my husband and I often talk about this, uh, where uh, I'll be sitting with my husband or at a lot of these events and I have ministered in worship and they'll come up to my husband and be like, are you a pastor? Do you preach? And my husband's like, no, but she does. <laughs> and he's, he knows his, I can't do these things without him. I need him. And in the home, he's our provider. And he is the one who covers us in prayer and sends scripture verses to our children every night before we go to sleep. And he prays for me and he carries my purse and all the bags of shoes and things that I take to all these events. And he makes me feel safe. And then I make him a really good meal. I know my place and my function. And the last and final lesson we can learn from Eve, and this is the one that if you don't take anything with you to, to this morning, I want you to take this with you. It's the one who has caused me great emotion. You are not beyond redemption. Eve was not disqualified from the grace and love of God. Her mistake was just that. And yes, there were grave consequences. Thank you very much, Eve. Three children, that was a lot of labor pain. But she was not beyond redemption. And neither are we. Neither are you, woman of God. No matter what you've done in this life, or your background, or what you've had to do to survive, God understands more than you can imagine. And he's prepared a way to cleanse you from those things to redeem you and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. 
in the story of Eve, sin enters. There's this great divide that occurs between God and man, and he comes and he speaks to Adam and he speaks to Eve because even though we have grace and we are redeemed, we do suffer the consequences of the choices we make because God is a loving God. And just like parents, we have to allow our children, despite the love that we have for them, we have to allow certain consequences so that they can learn life's lessons, right? But that love doesn't end. Neither does God's love. And this, oh, this, in Genesis 3.15. And I'm going to read it from the Message Bible because I love the way it sounds. God told the serpent, I am declaring war between you and the woman, Eve. Between your offspring, offspring Satan, and hers. He will, talking about Jesus, her offspring, through her genealogy, through her offsprings, thousands of years later, Jesus is born and he says to Satan, he will wound your head and you will wound his heel. The very thing that Satan tried to use to create a lasting and eternal separation between God and man. He thought he had it. Is the very thing that God used to destroy him. That very woman that made that mistake is the cause of the destruction of Satan himself. You are not beyond redemption. Jesus wants to take what you have, all those messed up pieces, all those wounds, all those hurts, and you place it in God's hands, and he is going to build a weapon of mass destruction to go against the enemy, and people all around you will look at you and say, what? Let me tell you, woman of God, I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what you're ashamed of, but bring it to Jesus because he will repair it. And then you can share with other women going through the same thing that if God did it for me, he can do it for you. Jesus came from the most unlikely individuals and if we look at Matthew chapter 1 there's a list of his genealogy most of men but there's four women who are mentioned and and if God put it in the Bible it's important for you to know there are four women listed in his genealogy the fifth one is Eve she's not mentioned but we know that's where they come from but there are four women four unlikely heroes where Jesus, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, comes from. The first one is Tamar. 
Her story is found in Genesis 38, and I don't have time to tell you, so read it. It's so good. And she was a marginalized widow, and she was taken advantage of by the men who were supposed to take care of her, and she had to take situation and life into her own hands, and she did an unthinkable thing, and she slept with her father-in-law, got pregnant, because she was desperate and destitute. And God redeemed her and made her part of his own history. Her DNA ran through him. And then we have Rahab, who came from a pagan country, and she was a prostitute. There's no pretty way of saying it. Read the Bible. It's there. It's found in Joshua 2. And she recognized the men of God, and she hid them and protected them, and with her aid her help her azar a-z-e-r with her help jericho was destroyed and she becomes part of that line where jesus comes from and we have bathsheba and every time she's referred to in scripture she's referred to not as the the wife of king david but as the wife of uriah her first husband who was a faithful soldier to king david and she was beautiful to look at, so beautiful that David coveted her. And then she became motive for murder in one of the biggest scandals in the Bible. And David sends her husband out to the front line on purpose so he could die and he could take Bathsheba as his wife. And she becomes an accomplice to adultery. This is, this is bad. And she loses her first child and she suffers and she is redeemed and she's given Solomon as a son, King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. And she becomes part of that line, that beautiful line to Jesus. And one of my favorite is Ruth, a Moabite woman. Moabites were like arch enemies of the people of Israel. And she is from a pagan country. She's not even a Hebrew girl. And she becomes such a faithful and loyal daughter-in-law. Lord Jesus, send me three Ruths, please. <laughs> and she makes Noemi's, I know it's Noemi, I say it in Spanish, Noemi. She makes Noemi her mother-in-law's God, her God. And she serves her even at the risk of her own life because being a widow, you were destitute and destined to die. Noemi had no one to take care of her. And she says, I, I don't care. I'm not leaving you. And they go back. And we know the story. She meets her Boaz, and they have children, and Jesse and King David, and later on, Jesus is born through that line. And Mary, the mother here on earth of Jesus, who is a humble teenage girl and has got swept away. Instead of planning a wedding, she's 
dealing with a scandal. What will people think? But she didn't care. She obeyed the instructions of God. She was simple and humble, and she was humiliated and having to give birth in a barn with animals, with hay, and later has to go in exile to Egypt because they are after her baby boy, and she protects him, and they flee, and she raises Jesus. And she's at the foot of the cross, and she's watching her son be tortured, spit on, ridiculed. I'm the mother of three boys. I don't know if my heart physically could handle seeing such a thing. But she stood there, and she watched, and she was at his feet as he died. Oh, but on the third day, she was among the women that went to clean his body and discovered that the tomb was empty. And she was there when he appeared to the disciples and she saw the nail-scarred hands and she saw his feet and she received the same instructions that the disciples did. And she was there at Pentecost. Read it. It's in, it's in Acts chapter 1. She was among the 120 waiting for the promise of God. woman of God God has plans for you you are blessed you are planned in the heart of God you are meant to rule and to prosper to multiply and nothing you have done can take God's redeeming love from you hallelujah I want you to stand to your feet And I want to pray with you. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Sometimes we get swept away with trying to make this lasting impression on others as we speak about what God's purpose and plans are. Well, we just need to go back to the simple things. We need to speak to the heart of a woman because I could tell you that you were meant for greatness till I'm blue in the face, but if you don't believe it, then what good is it? Jesus is the reason why we have purpose. Jesus is the reason why we're blessed. Jesus is the reason why we are called. Jesus is the reason why we sing and we teach and not everyone has been called to hold a mic or on a platform. As a matter of fact, about 5% are called to do it. That means everyone else is called to preach and teach in their jobs, with their families, right? Because that's the calling. We're all meant to make disciples of men. Yeah. What I want you to know is that even within what you are doing now, you have authority through Jesus Christ. And you have the ability to multiply what God has placed in your hands. Don't look down at where God has you. Someone needs to be there. Someone needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ where you're at. 
Someone needs to know your story and where you come from and what God did for you. I want to ask if there is anyone here today who does not know Jesus Christ and your heart is beating out your chest and you may not even understand why it's happening, I want to offer you Jesus. All you have to do is accept him and say, Lord, Jesus, I want to know you more and I want you to rule my life. I want you to raise your hand where you're at and I want to pray with you. That's the first step. First step. The second calling is for that person, that woman, could be a man who's ashamed of things they've had to do or things they've done or mistakes they've made. And has often felt like God's blessings is for everyone else and not for them. Because you don't know what I've done. You're right, I don't. But Jesus does, and he still loves you. And he wants to redeem you. If that is you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time and I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your word that is life. Lord, I pray that we have taken what we have learned today and understand how much you love us and that you created us, that we were planned by you, we were in your heart, and we were destined with purpose, Lord Father God. That it doesn't matter what we've done, where we come from, Father, that we are not too far from redemption. That in through you, Lord Jesus, all things are possible and we can live under the blessing that you, Jesus, have given us. I thank you for this time and I bless this church, Father God. I bless the leadership, Lord Father. I bless every volunteer, Lord God Almighty. I bless this congregation and I ask that they can mark their community and make a lasting difference, Lord Jesus, to all of them around them. Lord, thank you, Father. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon. We pray it blesses and encourages your life.